would turn with me to the gospel according to Luke chapter 13. The gospel according to Luke chapter 13. As you're turning there, I just want to say again that I've really enjoyed preaching through the lectionary the past two years. I've never done it consistently over a three-year period. But what I really have found fascinating as as we've kind of preached uh, through the gospel readings, particularly within the lectionary readings, um, is is the fact that we're having to preach on stuff that normally doesn't get preached on. Uh, These are a lot of times you know, passages that just sort of get skipped over. And quite frankly, in your reading, this seems like today's passage is a pretty typical sort of scripture. You'll see. It's not something you hadn't heard before or something crazy. It's happened quite a bit in in the gospel. In fact, it's already happened uh, in another way in Luke, uh, something very similar. So let's just look at it uh, today, but let's ask the Lord, hey, even though this may be a typical Sunday, a typical (laughs) uh, reading of scripture, make it more than typical today in here. So help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. If you would stand with me as we read from the gospel reading found in Luke chapter 13, and we're going to start with verse 10. I'm reading from the RSV. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your alignment. Ailment, sorry. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Jesus, thank you for your word. We pray now that the same spirit that inspired these words would help us to not only understand, but to obey. We pray in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Again, this is an event that happens often in the life of Jesus, isn't it? You've read the Gospels before, and he does several healings on the Sabbath. In fact... He heals on the Sabbath in chapter 4 of Luke. In chapter 6, he does two different things. He eats on the Sabbath, and they question him about that. And then he also uh, will heal a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. He also drives out a demon in chapter 4, before 6 there. And so 4, 6, now in 13, we have some healings that are on the Sabbath. And, uh, And so that's not 
and unusual thing that Jesus is doing here necessarily, but I think there is something unusual going on about this text, and I've actually fallen in love with it over the past week as, as uh, my small group and myself have uh, kind of dove into this text, which is what we often find with the scriptures. We shouldn't approach them as if we already know what is there, <laughs> but let it be a treasure find. Lord, teach me from this. Help me to understand and to obey. Because it is not enough for us to understand only, but obey, as we've already prayed uh, this morning. So, first off is this. I mean, if you're looking at this text, you're thinking, okay, well, this is great. Because here's the first thing, is that Jesus sees this woman. Now, probably many other people saw her, but didn't really see her. Does that make sense? You get used to people standing on the side of the road or with an ailment or you even get used to certain things in your own life, don't you? There's certain things at your house, for instance, that if I were to go there, I'd say, oh, man, look at there. That that needs to be painted, right? But you've passed it by so many times that you don't even realize it anymore. Anybody have anything like that in their house? Oh, yeah, I got several, okay? I don't even see them anymore because we just kind of get used to things, don't we? And maybe this woman, we're not told, Maybe this woman just came to a typical Sabbath synagogue meeting to worship like she always had, to hear from the leader of the synagogue like she always had, and yet there was a guest speaker. (laughs) His name was Jesus. And he saw this woman and called her to himself. Did you notice that? He doesn't just see her in her predicament. And he doesn't just see us in our predicament and do nothing. Instead, Jesus, when he sees us, bent over with the weight of this world, bent over carrying the guilt of sin or its shame, bent over in our addiction or oppression or bondage, he doesn't just see us. He does, all right. In fact, one of the first things said about God in the Old Testament is he is the God who sees. This is something God does, but he doesn't leave it there. It might be enough that he sees, and it's great that he sees you today, doesn't he? You know, we even use this. I I use this with most of you. I say, hey, great to see you, so-and-so, right? You say, hey, we had a guy who used to be here. Uh, He's passed on to be with the Lord now, (laughs) so he's with the Lord safely. Uh, But Jerome, I used to say, brother, it's good to see you, man. And he'd say, it's good to be seen, brother. It is good to be seen, isn't it? But we need more than for just someone to see us. That is a lot. To have compassion on somebody, to identify with somebody, that's a lot. That's a lot. Some people don't even get that in their life. Jesus gives us that, but he gives us more. And that is, he calls us to himself. He calls the woman to him. But he doesn't stop there either. We haven't just heard his call. (laughs) He points us out. Hey, calls us by name. You ever been in class before and then the teacher call you by name? You know, it's great just to ask a general question. Hey, guys, what do you think about this? But when I say, Bruce, what do you think about this? All of a sudden, everything gets more intense, doesn't it? Now you've been called out. Jesus calls us out. He calls us by name. He knows your name. He calls you by name. And he calls this woman over and then he touches her, doesn't he? He touches her and immediately... She stands upright. Now, we could just go ahead and close the sermon up there if the story ended there. 
but it doesn't. Because that's kind of a nice story, a little three-point outline there, you know, Jesus sees, Jesus calls, Jesus touches, and we're healed, right? Bada-bing, bada-boom, altar call. But, notice this word here, but the leader in the synagogue was indignant. What? What, what, what? Whoa, what is going on here? He's indignant. He's angry. He's angry that a woman with an ailment for 18 years is healed? What is going, what do you mean indignant? And I love the way it says here, he kept going around to the crowd saying the same thing. Have you ever gotten angry? And all you knew to do was just keep saying the same thing. I just can't believe this has happened, right? You have a little accent or something. I just can't believe it. And you just walk around. I just can't believe it. I mean, I just can't. And it's like, buddy, are you okay? Not really. <laughs> Not really. And this guy is just saying the same thing over and over again to the crowd. Shouldn't we heal on the other days that we're supposed to work? Why work on the Sabbath? It's the one thing forbidden. It's how we keep the Sabbath holy. I don't understand. Why work on the Sabbath? Now, before we go giving the guy a hard time, let's at least understand a bit of the context here because the Sabbath kind of is a complicated thing for some of us. It shouldn't be, but it, but it kind of is to some degree, right? It's in the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the Fourth Commandment. It's the, one of the ones that's in the grouping that we do toward God. In other words, we keep the Sabbath. The Jews kept the Sabbath because of God. It was a command. Not because your work told you to do it. <laughs> Not because any sports hobby told you to do it. Because they don't. But God has commanded to keep the Sabbath holy. So, that's in the law. What the Jews did was they realized, and this is what really Pharisaism is. Ever wonder kind of like what Pharisaism is? Or even modern Judaism is, to, to most degree. Is an idea that if you break the law, you're going to be punished. Which is kind of what the law says, doesn't it? You know, choose life, obedience, and it's life. Choose disobedience, and it's death. So yeah, got it. Then they got a big lesson in the wilderness, didn't they? But they got an even bigger lesson in the exile, remember? They don't obey God, and he sends them into exile by a pagan nation. When they come back from that, this is when Pharisaism begins to ramp up. Because here's what they say. They say, okay, we got it. We got it. If we don't do anything wrong in breaking the law then that won't ever happen again. And we don't want anything like that to happen again. So what they started doing was taking the law and putting fences around it. Putting barriers around it that weren't laws in the Bible, in the Torah, but they were additional laws, oral laws. Not written law, but they were oral laws that were meant to protect, fence in from ever breaking those commandments so that we don't get in trouble again. Now, granted, that's, that's not a bad idea, right? I mean, if you struggle with something in your own life that you're prone to, it's good to put fences around there so you don't even get close to it. Does that make sense? I, I knew this kid when I was growing up. <laughs> he, uh, I guess he had an eating problem, or at least... It was an eating problem where he just did whatever he wanted. He went in the pantry and got whatever he wanted, however much of the time he wanted. So they put a lock on there. Well, that's a fence, right? That's a barrier. He had to ask for permission, and then he could go get something to eat. 
Well, maybe for you it's, hey, you know what? I can't watch certain movies like that. Now, the Bible doesn't say particularly what kind of movie we should watch or what kind of YouTube videos we should be looking at. But at the same time, isn't it good to put some fences, some virtues, <laughs> some rules that we impose upon ourselves, some discipline in our life to say, you know what, in order not to get there, I'm going to put some fences up. And this is what they did. This is what they did. And so these oral laws, these traditional laws of the Jews, were not Torah. They were added. And so when Jesus grabs the, the grains of, of corn with his disciples and eats them, he's not breaking the law. He's actually even points out that David did the exact same thing. In 1 Samuel. But he's breaking some of their traditional laws. So we need to get straight that Jesus is actually not a renegade here to the law. He's breaking up human tradition that has been applied on top of that. And that's where we also have to be careful. Because we have our own stuff, right? We have our own things that, we, ah, you know, people really shouldn't do that. And that may be okay for you. But to place your own personal convictions on other people, that can become Pharisaism. If it's in here, it's not Pharisaism. <laughs> if it's written here, then it's what we do. But these other additional things, does this make sense? So, so this is where the Pharisees were on this matter. And this is why they said, listen, you can't work on the Sabbath at all. There can be no work like this. And guess what? Healing is work. Ask my brother. He's a doctor. Not today. He's not here, but you get it, right? Like any doctor will know that healing takes time, it takes effort, it takes work. And healing is not always just instantaneous and miraculous. So that when this woman is healed and she's praising God for it, this guy becomes angry because, hey, you can't be healing on the Sabbath. So before we go give him a hard time, we've got to understand some of those things at the least about the context in which Jesus is stepping into. But at the same time, we also have to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? This story is not about breaking Sabbath and that being a good thing. That's not what this is about. This is about making the Sabbath what it really meant to be, what it was always created to be, which is a day of refreshment and healing. You work six days, and then you take off a day, maybe a morning, and you worship the living God and have him refresh your soul and your spirit. In fact, some have pondered, if you will, this understanding of a spirit of infirmity. That's what we're told this is, is a spirit of infirmity that was a bondage of Satan. And some have said, well, this may have just been a straight up physical healing where someone's bent over and, and they just stand up straight. Or it is a spiritual problem that has resulted in a physical ailment. And we know this can happen. We know what can de depression can do to a body. There's evidence that, that what is happening in here can definitely affect our body. Have you ever known someone that is depressed? They kind of are drooped over. Imagine 18 years of a spirit of infirmity. 
You see, Jesus doesn't just see our physical need. It might be apparent to some of us the physical need. But I would propose to you today that when Jesus looks around this room, he actually sees spirits of infirmity in our life. And in the same way that he wants to heal physically, he wants to heal us even more spiritually. Are you weighed down with a spirit of infirmity? You see, this woman showed up maybe (laughs) this day and she wasn't expecting anything but a good sermon, maybe some good songs to sing and a psalm reading, bada bing, bada boom. But instead, Jesus was ready to deliver her from a spirit of bondage. Are there some things in your life that you've done maybe even 18 years ago, that have weighed you down? Are there things that have been done to you that have put you in bondage? Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that Jesus sees you. He's calling you to come to him. And he wants to touch you and to heal you from any spirit of infirmity, from any sin or the weight that so easily besets us. Have you ever taken a backpacking trip or had like an 80-pound backpack on like I had to do one of my first times to go to the AT, Appalachian Trail? We were in college now, so I could have gotten away with it, but now... I'd be destroyed if I tried something like that. I mean, cold turkey, no training, got on the Appalachian Trail for four days with an 80-pound backpack full of stuff that I didn't actually have to use. Way more food than I needed. Way more. I wasn't a Boy Scout, okay? So you can laugh. It's fine. Um, I, I wasn't claiming to know what I was doing, but I'll tell you one thing. I was slumped over trying to get this thing up and down hills, and it was awful. And I learned on this trip uh, also why, you know, North Face is called North Face, because the North Face is frozen over, uh, because it doesn't get any direct sunlight. And so we went in January, and it was unbelievably perilous and difficult. And I put myself in this situation, and I'm holding all this stuff, and I'm finally throwing, you know, eating and trying to get as much weight off as I possibly can. Don't worry, I didn't throw the garbage away, okay? Leave no trace, right? I get it. But I was weighted down. I definitely wasn't free to move up, the, up, up and down the mountains of, uh, of North Georgia <laughs> freely. But when I took that thing off, I just remember thinking every day, I was like, I take it off and I think, oh my goodness, this is freedom. You know, your back is just sweating. It's hurting. I had marks on me. It was bad. It was bad. And some of us, dear friends, some of us try to truck the past what has happened to us, or maybe what we've gotten ourselves into. We kind of try to truck it through life, through the valleys, up the mountains. And when we're trying to celebrate, it's always lurking behind us. It's always weighing us down. It's bending us over, curving us, not up, but down, down into ourself. 
In fact, St. Augustine, as early as the 4th century, said, he has this Latin phrase, incurvatus in se, which is curved in upon oneself. That's what sin does to us. It curves us in, not toward God and others. We don't naturally tend to look up to God or in each other's eyes. But instead, we tend to be curved over. And this woman today is a symbol of this sort of bentness that we all receive and we all pick up and tether ourselves to. You see, Jesus' argument here is quite simple. <laughs> all, he, all he does is he goes, he goes, hey guys, um, let me just ask for you. I'll get bent out of shape. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Because I guarantee today, guarantee it, you untied your ox or your donkey and you brought it to water and it was the Sabbath day. Now here's the thing. In those traditional laws, they had to change over time. At first, they were real hardcore, you know, like laws normally are. And then we have to make exceptions. So the Pharisees made exceptions. They said, well, if something is in need and it's living, you can, you can, you can help it. In other words, if your you know, sheep falls into a rut and, it, and it's broken, let, you, you can go help it. Even though that's work, it's a living thing, we believe in life, so on and so forth. They made concession for an animal. And remember, animals were trucks, animals were cars for them. So just like you got in a car and packed your stuff up in there and your kids and all that, they would have done the same thing. Family of five, definitely would have had a donkey. We would have definitely had a donkey. Now, if you were a little well off, had an ox, right? That's like an SUV, you know, big truck, right? Spacious, big, strong, carry a lot of stuff, right? Now, you think this stuff is funny because when I, when I was studying this, I, uh, I shared this with a group on Friday morning that I meet with. And, uh, and I said, yeah, you know, Jesus is often talking about ox and donkeys, stuff like this. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. And uh, so I, I go to a meeting right after that, and I pull up behind a dump truck. And guess what was on the back of that dump truck? An ox. <laughs> it literally, their emblem was an ox. And I thought, yeah, we haven't come that far, guys. In other words, if you're willing to fill up your car and refresh it and get it ready for the week, shouldn't you refresh your soul? with the word of God and the people of God? This is a clarion call for us to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together, to get in the same room for the same purpose, under the same Lord, and look one another in the eyes, not down on ourselves. oh yeah, oh me, oh my. No, let him straighten us up so that we can look one another in the eyes and say, brother, it is good to see you in the house of the Lord. And say back, brother, it's good to be seen today. And isn't it? Let's embrace one another in love. This is our call. We are called still as Christians to keep the Sabbath day holy. How are you doing that? How are you doing that in your life? There's a lot of ways to do that. <laughs> we're not saying quit your job if, it, if you have to work on Sundays. That's not, that's not what we're saying at all. But what we are saying is this. I think what Jesus would be saying to you today is this. How are you going to keep my day holy? Where's my day in your week? Where's my time of refreshing in your week? Isn't that exactly what our passage, where is it? 
I don't have my, I got my notes all mixed up. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Isaiah. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight. How many of us, Sunday's a delight? Or is it a chore? Maybe it was a chore for this woman. But I guarantee it wasn't after this day. She left rejoicing. I wonder if God could do that for you. I wonder if you just came for a typical Sunday. Oh, we got to, let's get the kids ready. Yeah, you know, probably screamed at a couple of them on the way here. Maybe sped here. I don't know. Hopefully not. But maybe so. You're here. I wonder if you could hear his voice. I wonder if he's calling you. And I wonder if you'd let him touch you. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And notice this, notice this. And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. Oh, man, what a way to start the week. Not with a big backpack. Oh, no. Let's let him untether us from that. You see, Jesus is saying this. Just as you untethered your ox or your donkey, so too I want to untether you from this bondage. And if it's good enough for an animal, it's good enough for humans. So let him do it. Let him set you free from the past. Let him set you free from the depression, from the anxiety, from the worry, for the concerns of this life. He can do it. He who started a good work in you wants to complete it. What if it was today? Some of you say, well, well, I don't know. I'm really nervous to, to let the backpack go. It's just what I know. And sometimes we get in a rut like that, don't we? It's just what we know. Some of us, maybe we haven't even noticed until we're 41 that there's some painting that needs to be done in that one room. There's a broken light. And the Lord wants to fix it. Jesus is here to destroy the works of the devil. And that's what he does on this day for this woman. 18 years in bondage. Do not give up on the Lord if you're asking for freedom from something. Don't give up. Keep asking. Ask some brothers and sisters in this room to pray with you for healing to be set free because he can do it. Do you believe that, church? That's a great place. Amen. Even if it's under your breath, just amen. We believe that because he, listen, here's what's funny about this story. He's getting accused, Jesus, of, being a, of, of doing the work of healing, right? This is nothing for the Lord, is it? He is healing, right? He's not having to go mix up something and write down notes like a doctor does and call in the nurses and call everybody. No, no, no. All he does, call the lady over. He speaks words over, prays for her. And then he touches her. No, this is the work of God is what it is. And this is the work that he would have for you. Did you know, did you know, friends, 
there are people in this church that will help you in prayer to carry these things to God. You say, I'm so weighted down, brother. I don't, I don't even know. I don't think I can move. <laughs> and that's what's so funny about the AT. One time I sat down, and I was like, oh, this feels so good. And I could get back up again. Not until I got out of my backpack. And some of us are sitting on the side of the road. And here's the church today, willing to help stand you up, bring you to Jesus like the guy who come through the roof. They brought him to Jesus. He was paralyzed. And Jesus spoke words of salvation for that man. Isn't that what we should be doing, friends? Even for friend day, bringing those who are beside the road. Those that get overlooked, but that Jesus sees. You know, something special happened the other day, and I, I keep sharing it because it just means a lot to me. You know, we have a ministry to Madison Village, which is an uh, assisted living um, facility in, here in Madison. And we've been there year, for years, but, but uh, with the help of Sandy and Gail and Jack and others, we've really felt the Lord saying, you need to be there more, and you need to, they need to be an extension of the church. You need to present the body of Christ to them more regularly. So we have. We've ramped it up. And um, we've done just some very small things to touch a life. And, and, and one of those uh, is, you know, I, w- I wrote a birthday card to one of the guys. His name was Herb. And, uh, and he's been with us for years. I don't know, five, six years. And um, I came in the other day and he said, uh, hey, thanks, Pastor, for the card. Birthday card. I said, oh, yeah, man, don't, yeah, don't worry about that. That's, yeah, good, good deal. He said, no, 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 seriously, thank, thank you for the card. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, Herb, you know. He said, no, really, that's the only card I got for my birthday. There's a lot of people right here in this city. Nobody sees them. They get passed by. They don't seem important. Maybe they are bent over with the weight of this world, the fear of dying. The church, brothers and sisters, the church is the one. They are the one who are called to be the body of Christ to others, to bring God's healing to their doorstep, to see what the world can't see, and to carry people to Jesus. Oh, that's our mission. That's that's why we want people to get caught in the net of grace. That's why we go fishing every week. Being examples and testimonies of Jesus Christ, our founder, our redeemer, and our Lord. Now catch this at the end. All his opponents were put to shame. So, so here's this old boy, you know, he's going, I can't believe healing happens on the other days, right? And he's just, he, he's, he's, he's bent out of shape, <laughs> bent out of shape, right? Literally. And Jesus speaks a word, and you know, he, his donkey was sitting out there. Everybody knew it was. They know what his donkey looks like. Name's Fred. It's out there. They know he carried it to water today. And you can just imagine, he drops in shame. But this woman, who was bent over, because of the voice of God and his touch on her life, 
stands straight up and begins rejoicing. And rejoicing is something contagious, isn't it? I mean, you see somebody excited about something, you kind of, what's going on? What's, hey, hey, I mean, what'd you do? Win a million dollars? No, better than that. Better than that. I was touched by God. Do you know his touch? Have you received his touch? You remember that old song? I might have to look it up in my notes because I can't quote it right out. But you remember that old song, He Touched Me? I'm just going to quote a little bit of it here. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Oh, isn't that what he did for this woman? Isn't that what he wants to do for us? Let him do it today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.